Welcome into another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast, connecting with you Italian football fans from all over the world. This episode is all about Lazio versus Milan. Midweek Serie A showdown. Jerry and I wanted to bring in a couple of our favorite Milanisti because I wanted to I wanted them to savor this moment because in in less than 24 hours they're no longer going to be in first place. So I, I wanted to be able to let our Milanisti friends savor this moment. And I usually I usually don't pick sides on the pod, at least not officially, in games that don't involve Inter, but just for this episode, guys. You see that? <laughs> <laughs> just for this episode, I'm rolling out the Lazio background. <laughs> So let me, uh, l- b- before before I, I introduce uh, my co-host, Jerry Mancini, I'm Alex Dono, by the way. Let me introduce our special guests, and and obviously uh, at, least, at least 75% of us, but really 100% of us, because it's an important game, are going to be really, really invested in, uh, in Lazio against Milan. A couple of good friends of ours join us. Rui Pereira from the Red Card Report was nice enough to join us, and he's going to be up all night because he's making like... 20 espressi an hour with the machine that's behind him. Rui, how you been, man? <laughs> Fantastic, as always. Thank you guys again for having me on. I'm looking forward to talking Calcio and, most importantly, the Milan and Lazio game coming up. Jerry, I think you're going to lose another bet, man. You're going to, once I visit you out in Toronto, I'm going to be, I don't think I'll have to take out my wallet that weekend or whatever it is. You're, I'm going to be eating for free. Well, what, what's the bet? What's at stake between you guys? That espresso machine behind him because it's a Faema. That thing's fucking worth a lot of money, man. That's a good machine, okay? I'm looking at it right behind. That's why, like, people, if people are looking at me while I'm staring into the screen, it's because I can read. I have good eye vision. I can see that's a Faema. Faema is such good coffee. It's one of the best. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I don't know if I'll put that uh, on the line. That's a that's a little bit too much of uh, that's a little bit too much for me, but. Our, our initial bet was just a, a Neapolitan pizza and a beer, but at this nice. rate... No, I thought rate, I think it's going to be... Jersey. Oh, yeah, was you could do that, too. Yeah, you could go and buy one, Jerry. I mean, I won't be against that. I won't stop you, <laughs> I thought but... That was, that was the bet, that I'm supposed to wear a Milan jersey. Wasn't that what it was, or no? Yeah, it was, but most importantly, you have to you have to feed me. You, have to, you owe me a pizza, <laughs> Neapolitan style, and a beer. And at this rate, man, it's going to be bottomless beer for me. You have to. I love the way word of that. You have to feed me. Like I, I picture, I picture like a baby bird. Like Jerry's <laughs> chewing up the pizza and spitting it in your mouth. Like the way that you said that. <laughs> Let's introduce our, our, our other special guest. And for those of you who are who are watching this on YouTube, and I should set the table, uh, if because I know that probably most of you are listening to this audio only. Uh, those who are watching the YouTube, you can see, of course, not surprisingly, Jerry's background has uh, Cheeto Immobile celebrating. <laughs> And it's a game, uh, clearly Lazio versus Milan. So he picked the appropriate background photo for YouTube. You know, I know Rui is at work. That's why he's got espresso machines in the background and not his like 50 Milan jerseys. But Michael Lisi, who also joins us from Fossa de Leone, he, he's got uh, he, uh, he's got his uh, Scudetto Strong patch on there with, with his Milan jersey on. So, Michael, how you doing, man? You ready for tomorrow? 
Oh, absolutely, man. I'm super excited for tomorrow. I can't wait to hear Jerry's uh, sandbagging bullshit predictions for tomorrow. So, last I heard Milan, he actually picked Milan to win two to nothing, which he did. I mean, come on, man. Come on. He, he is. Um, I'm, I'm going to out him because I, I think it, the mush loses power if I'm the one who outs him. As long as Jerry keeps up the charade, I think it'll it can still work. But Jerry is desperately trying to mush Milan. Like, there's no way Jerry really thinks he's losing this game 2-0. Because, uh, to, and, and I give Milan a lot of credit this season, even with moving parts and, and COVID and injuries. Now, their squad is going to be especially depleted for this game, so we'll talk about that. But I give Milan credit for still grinding out results and, and staying undefeated despite a lot of moving parts this year. Uh, you know, Lazio was in a really, really tough stretch. But if Lazio can play the way that they played over the weekend against Napoli, uh, if they play like that, they can beat anyone in Italy. I mean, we, we just saw Juventus get smashed by Fiorentina today. You know, we, we haven't seen Inter put in a good 90 minutes all season long. They only play in spurts. Uh, so, you know, Milan has been the class of the Serie A so far. But if Lazio played the way that they played uh, over the weekend against Napoli, they can beat any team on any night. And and uh, Michael, I know you've been you've been talking about this a lot on our group thread. Um, how much do we know about what Milan's starting eleven could look like? And of course, it's not going to be made official until about an hour before kickoff. But what's your speculation? Because obviously, Ibra and Kiar are still out. Uh, Tonali, I understand, is out. Kessier uh, picked up uh, a suspension for another yellow yeah. card. So, what what do you expect things could look like? Well, right now they're saying that Tonali and Rebic are both game-time decisions. Mm. Although, <clears throat> I have a feeling I think that's just a little bit of gamesmanship. Um, I, I would think they're just kind of messing with Lazio, and those two are probably not actually going to play. They just want to keep it kind of up in the air, you know, so Lazio doesn't exactly know how they're going to come out. Um, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see uh, you're, you're going to see um, uh, Krunic, and Chalunolu probably play in the midfield together. Uh, they're probably going to line up like a 4-4-1-1, kind of like they did uh, over the weekend against Sassuolo. Uh, so, again, you'll have Krunic and Chalunolu in the middle. You'll probably have uh, Hauga and Salamakers out wide, and then you'll have Diaz probably under Leal up top. I mean, and, and that's a suit. And then the back line's more or less going to be, uh, well, intact considering – you know, Kaira uh, and uh, and uh, and Gabby are still out. So you're going to have Calabria and you're going to have Romagnoli and Kalulu and uh, and Theo on the left. But that's what that's what I think we're going to see once they take the field tomorrow. You might see some of those guys in a little different places, but I think that's that's more or less you know how they're going to play. And Does that sound? Try to pack the middle of that field to to slow down the Albertos and Malinkovic Savages of the world, and then. You know, it's not getting too far ahead of ourselves, but I think, you know, one of the most interesting things is you're going to have a Mobile up top playing, basically trying to hunt down Kalulu the whole time. You know what I mean? That's going to be his job. He's going to try to pick on him. You know, Kalulu and Romagnoli, this is the fifth game they're playing together, but they haven't really played against like a top-notch striker yet. You know, they haven't played against one of the best scores in the league and this is really going to be like a step up and level you know from uh from the other teams uh that that, that Kalula especially has played against i mean Mattia Destro scored twice against us so 
you know, a Mobile, I don't know, five, ten. What do you think, Jerry? Hold on. I hate that guy. Matia Destro, I fucking hate that guy. Nobody likes him. I, you know what? I didn't care about him until what he did against Crotone in the first game of the season when he thought he celebrated the World Cup. And, uh, oh, sorry, yeah, like, that's right. Like, get, get the fuck out of here. That guy there is like one piece of shit. Screw him. And that ugly hair he has. Ugly hair. Oh, God. <laughs> Screw that guy. So, so Rui, did, uh, did, did Lisi's uh, projected lineup sound about right? And, and to kind of build on that, with all the absences, uh, who do you think could really step up? Maybe, maybe a couple of players that uh, that that the Interisti and the Laziali out there may not be thinking about that could really step up and have big games. Yeah, I think uh, Mike really hit the nail on the head. If it's not the four four one one, I think it it could be a four two three. Three one the the formation that we've been using all season long. But I think Mike is right. I think the four four. Uh, one one is going to be the formation going into this game and the starting lineup as well I think it's it's well thought out it's well I think that's the starting 11 that's going to be um, that's going to show up in the beginning of the game if Tunali and Rebic are aren't going to play so um, players to stick out uh, you know I, I feel that even with all the injuries or the suspensions the COVID situations that we had this season, we have been performing really well, and it seems like we've been playing collectively as a unit. Um, sure, there are superstars that stick out the most, but collectively, we all, all the players individually-wise, for the most part, play very, really, really well. But uh, a player that I think that has to have uh, a really solid game or probably one of the best games in his career has to be Rafael Leon. This is a top... This is a top side that we're going up against. It's Lazio. Sure, they've been in a funk. They've gone through absolutely everything this season with COVID. They've been up and down uh, in form, which is normal, especially with such a compact season from last season coming into this season. And, the, you know, as you mentioned, if, if Lazio come out the way that they did against Napoli, they can, they should be the favorites to win this game, given all the injuries uh, that Milan have in the suspension with uh, Kessier. So uh, Milan have to be sharp. The defense has to be rock solid. I think the defense has to do everything possible to suppress uh, Chiro Immobile from getting any goal scoring opportunities or any penalty kicks. Um, but but yeah, I think uh, I think Leo is going to be the guy. I think he's going to need to score if we're going to win this game. So, Jerry, I want to get uh, your take on on how you expect Lazio to line up. Is it going to be pretty straightforward? And who do you think, and, and I, I guess there, there are some obvious names here like Cheeto, but who do you think really needs to step up to get this W? I want to say a side note first, and I was writing my recap for this game and like taking the breakdowns. I feel like this is a little bit of a karma game towards Milan because last time when Lazio played Milan, we had nobody in the lineup. Let's, let's just recall this. We didn't yeah, have Caicedo. Yeah. We didn't have Mobley. We had, we, we had to start Correo with one leg. He was yeah. forced to play. And after that game, he didn't see like another three weeks. He didn't play till the end of the season. Um, we had to use Luis Alberto up front as a striker, yeah. which was a, a terrible thing. Um, our The whole team was depleted. We, we and, that, and, and you know what? It's, and, and, and I say this because I'm reading comments people are sending me. You're playing a Milan side that's half battered. And the tables have kind of turned where Lazio were in that position. 
and now Milan was on that side where they did what they had to. So I want to see that if Lazio can capitalize like Milan did last year and 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 win this game. And I, I don't count this Milan side out because if Lazio can beat a Club Bruges and a, and a Zenit with up to 12 and 8 players missing from their squad, I don't see why Milan can't do it. With the unbeaten streak of 25 games, the mental, the mentality, the fortitude of what they've shown under Pioli. And, and people are like, oh, but do you see who Milan has? I don't care. Kalulu stepped up. He did. Perfect. Like, Lisa, you said it. Kalulu's been good the last five games. And who's to say he can't shut down Immobile tomorrow? Uh, we've seen it with Verona. Verona uh, did it against Immobile. Didn't give him any space. No, I know that Jiricic and, and, and Pioli are two different managers in two different teams and everything but there's a lot of quality on this team even i i i, the end of the day, I think it's their midfield that's going to be the biggest question mark i don't think it's their defense i don't think it's their offense if if they if you can get a performance from krunic i think that's the difference maker here for for milan because i don't watch enough milan to, to criticize him but based on what people say he's not a good player um i'm not gonna shit talk him because i don't watch him enough but for me, it's going to be the three-five-two for Lazio. Um, Acherbi won't be starting in this game. Uh, I hope they. I hope he doesn't start personally. Um, I, I I know that he's. It's nice to have him against Milan, but he would have been available had we not rushed him for Napoli, and they really screwed that up because now I don't know when he'll be back. I would assume after the break, but that's for another day. But in the back, I I see. Felipe, Patrick, and Radu, they were saying. And I'm okay with Hoot as well. I think Hoot's been really good this year. I know a lot of people are saying that he's been a bad signing. I don't think so. When we signed him, people were, people should be happy for what they've gotten. He's not a Kambula where everybody wanted, but he has still done the job and stepped up. In the midfield, it's going to be Escalante with uh, Luis Alberto and... Uh, and Sergei Malinkovic-Savage. Out wide will be uh, Marisic and uh, Leva. And I see up top, apparently Korea had a full training session today along with Immobile. I like that. I like Korea as a starter, and I like Casado off the bench. Reason being is he's that difference maker. I, I just think that Casado plays that role of of coming on in the 60th minute and, and can really be a difference maker with his, his physicality, his strength, and he gives something different up top compared to Correa. Um, I see, that's how I see it. I wish Pep Arena didn't play another game for Lazio, personally. <laughs> I, I'm not going to hate on him because I don't think he's a bad goalkeeper. I just think that he's not your everyday goalkeeper. Yeah. He And, and, and Lisi, you said a good point many times and and I, I agree with you his it's his feet work like there's times where he's really good at, at passing the ball from his back end but then there's times where he's just passes to nobody and and, and there have been times this year where he passes to nobody and results in goals or yeah. results in lost possession and I, it just drives me nuts and, and, and it's crazy and, and that that to me shows me he's just getting old because i remember three years ago when he was starting for napoli his strength was playing with his feet like his strength was being a great distributor sweeper keeper 
and all of a sudden that has gone to absolute crap for him. And, you know, I know if he had like just started getting playing time, I could say, oh, maybe it's just rust because when keepers don't play for a long time, you know, you may not be in rhythm as far as distribution, but he, he's been playing a lot this year. So it's not like you, you can't blame a lack of rhythm anymore for him. I think he's just old. Well, when he makes a big save, it's not because he it's it was from a big save he had to make. It's from lost possession. It's from turnovers that he had to make mm-hmm. that save to, like, make up for it. Um, I think Thomas Trakosha, I've been critical of him in the past. I, I still think he's the future. He should be playing. Sitting on the bench doesn't make sense. Um, that that's, At the end of the day, Strakosha is the guy who helped him get to the Champions League, who helped him in the last four years get to where they were. Not fully, but he's, he was a part. And all, all of a sudden, Reyna's playing every day. And what happened to Strakosha? Like, is, is he sick? Is he hurt? Uh, like, I want, I, I'm curious to know why, why Nzagi elects not to use him when he was always the preferred choice. A 38-year-old shouldn't be relied on for your future. Like, it's it's bad. Like, Strakosha's still in his 20s. Like, that's the guy you're supposed to go with. But... Yeah. And, and, you would and think I want, that... You would think that he would be used as, as or be given the same role as as he was given at Milan. Like his, he even said it himself that like his objective. Oh. Oh. And he actually did do that effectively. Uh oh, you're, you're and, cutting out, Rui. Oh, there you are. Oh. Okay. Sorry, guys. Um. Yeah. No. What oh, I just okay. um his role at his role at Milan was to make Donnarumma the best goalie in the world. And he, I thought he did a great job. I thought there was a huge improvement with him being that role model for Donnarumma. And now we're seeing Sarakosha on the bench and Pepe Reina, a guy that can't even dribble the ball anymore. This was a guy that when he entered Milan and played in those games, he's like, these guys can't play with the ball at their, at their feet. They're not quick enough or anything like that. And, you know, it's just uh, it's kind of bizarre that, that Inzaghi would act, actually go with Reyna in these situations. Well, what? I want to go. Uh, go go ahead. Quick, sorry, Michael, go ahead. And then I want to oh, go around the table. I for just want to ask you, did, did Strakosha have like one like just shit show of a game that all of a sudden he doesn't play anymore? Or just one day it was Reyna. It's been Reyna since. I don't want enough of your games to really understand what's going on. The only game he really played when he came back from COVID was against Undinese, where they lost 3-1, but it wasn't his fault, really. Like, I know he, he could have probably made one of, the, one of the saves, but, like, they were just pure dominant. They were dominated by Undinese. So, and I, and I also want to elaborate on a tweet we talked about earlier in the week about possession. Uh, about pa- pa- the pa- I, I actually want to talk about that. Like, that... I'm not sure if Alex knows about this. No, too. explain it. I, I I love Carlo Garganeza. I'm not gonna call him up, but he's all. Oh, you just did. He's awesome. I love him, but I I, I don't agree with now that we have Lisi on. I don't agree with with what his argument was about. What, what was it again, Lisi? Just refresh my mind, my memory. Like it, it's he, uh, he was he was basically ripping. He he was comparing Weston McKinney and Betancourt. And Weston McKinney's passing percentage was like 82% or, or high 70s. I can't remember which. And Bettencourt's was close to 90. But then mm-hmm. if you looked at the passes they made, almost every pass McKinney made was in the offensive half of the pitch. And I think like 40 of the 50 passes Bettencourt made 
were in his own end of the pitch. And to me, okay, yeah, 90% is better than 80. But if I'm completing 80% of my passes in your end, right. I'm playing pretty good. I mean, yeah. to me, if you're a center back or a goalkeeper, the bare minimum is like 90%. Mm-hmm. You should be between 90 and 100. If you're a goalkeeper or a center back or a defensive mid and your passing percentage is at like 78 or 80, you're doing something wrong. I mean, that's just my two cents on it. He didn't agree. I mean, like I said, I have all the respect for the dude. I have no like beef with him or anything. I just, you know, I just disagreed on that point. To me, if you're if you're moving the ball around in the other team's end of the pitch at an 80% success rate, you're you're doing just fine. I got no complaints with what you're doing. No, and I wanted to bring that up because I agree. If 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 you're a ninety percent pass rate, like, and and forty of your passes came from your back end, back from you to your goalkeeper, forty times, I think the stat is inconclusive and it doesn't really describe the kind of player you are. I absolutely agree with you. That's why I'm not always big on stats. Even like this XPG yeah. I've been listening to on uh, today on on zonal marking, and I'm like you you idiots with Arsenal and they have like oh, the, the third highest. Yeah, XG, XG, yeah, that stupid math comment he said about the crosses. We're going to send every cross into the box. (laughs) I I, I get it if you want to see how, in the final third, how teams are doing, but I think it's a relevant stat that doesn't tell the whole game. It doesn't tell you what was broken down in the midfield, how they got there, who did what in the midfield. Like, yeah, okay, you, you you can see the chances per goal and all that, but I don't think it tells you – it tells you 5% of the game. That's what I find. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Fair. So I want to move on uh, to predictions. I'll, I'll start because I'm – just despite my background, for those watching on YouTube, just try to – you know what? In fact, let, let me uh, – I'll, I'll change it back to Inter so I don't distract so many people on this. <laughs> on audio and video setting. All right, because I I want to I want to at least appear impartial. Okay, uh, this is it goes without saying. This is a really big game. I mean, for Lazio, uh, in in eighth place, uh, level on points with Atalanta in seventh, but uh, losing the goal uh, the goal differential tiebreaker. But Lazio in eighth place, so they they just need W's. They need wins, and they're trying to get themselves back in Champions League position. Milan, of course, they've been the story in Serie A. They're in first place at 31 points, and they they want to get into the Christmas break still uh, in first place, and and they they may have to get something out of this Lazio game to ensure that they remain in first place. So both teams have plenty of incentive to win, uh, to play well, to win. You know, normally, um, I, I think if not for so many uh, injuries and complications, suspensions for Milan, normally I would look at this game and and go at least a draw. Because um, M- Milan has done a great job this season getting results. I mean, you know, uh, they you know, but before before they bounced back with a victory this past weekend, they grinded out a couple of draws. You know, coming back from. 2-0 to draw up both of those games. So they've shown a lot of character this year. I think normally I'd probably go, let's say, a 2-2 draw in this one. But I am going to give the slight edge to Lazio uh, because Milan is missing so much. And I think Lazio is going to be able to overrun them in the midfield. So I'm going to go 2-1 to one with a brace for Cheeto. And I'll, I'll I'll probably have Rafael Leal, uh, Rafael Leal scoring for Milan. Uh, he, he impressed me with that seven-second goal that he scored uh, the other day, fastest in, in Serie A history. So I'm going to go, I'm going to give the edge to Lazio. Cheeto with a brace, one penalty kick, one goal from open play. 
I'll go I'll go to Rui next. I'll let Jerry wrap up the prediction. But Rui, how, how do you see the game playing out? Uh, winner, goal scorers, all that. Yeah, I think uh, this is going to be a tough get- game for Milan. This is a this is a game that we definitely need a result in bare minimum. We need a draw. Um, obviously, I preferred the win so we maintain our our first place status mm-hmm. going into the new year. But I'm going to go one one draw. I'm going to go goals from Rafael Leão and uh, Chiro Immobile. I think we're going to see a different Lazio. I think they're going to play really well. But I think Milan are going to. Uh, I think they're going to show up and they're going to play their game. They're going to show up on the defense and it's going to be a one-to-one draw. What do you think, Michael? Uh, I, I'm with Rui. I think, I think we end up with a one-run draw. I think you're going to have a very uh, cagey, if not uninteresting match. Um, I'd say goal score just because I think, Mo, I think everything is going to be squeezed down the middle of the field. Milan's going to try to keep it narrow. Um, you know, Lazio is going to try to come down the wings and bring it into Mobile, but I think you're going to have kind of a less than interesting game. Um, goal scorers, I'll tell you, I'll say one time Mobile turns around Kalulu like a turnstile, and uh, as far as Milan, I'll, I'll go with my boy. I'll go with my boy Salamakers going down the yes, wings. Salamakers, Salamaker. Yeah. Listen, Jerry, I want to forewarn you. I am a lifelong Notre Dame fan. And Lou Holtz is the godfather of sandbaggers. So I can detect your bullshit already. Go ahead. <laughs> right, well, with, that said, with that said, let's get the final prediction. Lazio and Milan, 2.45 Eastern time, 8.45 Italian time. We, we, we've gotten the first three predictions. I went 2-1 Lazio. Rui and Mike both go 1-1. Jerry, final word. What I'll, go, I'll go with my match prediction. What I wrote on the on my report, I am going two nothing Milan. Um, Lazio have <laughs> Lazio have earned a clean sheet for the first time in seven goddamn games. It was their third clean sheet all season, I believe. Um, this team can't play defense, um, even against the worst teams. They have even showed up. This, this is a team that you don't know what you're gonna get. It's like the roulette table. You don't know if you're gonna get seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So. It, it it's you don't ever know what you're gonna get with Lazio. That's the problem. You get them hot, you get them cold, and I I just it scares me this this team. And I can never give full confidence to them. Um, the only player I can give full confidence to, if I had to say, is Immobile. I think Immobile has been the most consistent player on Lazio this season. He even when he's playing bad, he's still playing good in my opinion. If he's not scoring, he's He's running hard. His intensity, like, he, like I've seen this guy keep running when they're down three nothing. A lot of these players quit, and, and I think that's why Inzaghi loves Immobile so much. Um, it's gonna be an interesting game. I, I think that when you're unbeaten in 25 games, like I said earlier, there, there's a lot of momentum in this team. That even when they're when they they've won games without key players, they've won without Zlatan for two weeks. Yeah. So so for me. You, you've overcome the barrier of winning without Zlatan. So this team has proven they can beat teams with some of their best players out of the lineup. So you can never count Milan out. Like, this is the one team I think that they kind of remind, and and I I always say that they remind me of Lazio last season where they, they figure ways out to win. Now, they're doing it differently. They're doing it between the Europa League and City, uh, Lazio weren't able to do that. So I give extra credit to Milan. 
but it's just they're 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 finding goals at Lazio day like they did in the ninety six minute finding two goals late against Cagliari last year. They did that against uh, Inter where they came back. I think it was Inter this season. Uh, they came back against Verona when they were down. I think two nothing. Um, they they they're beating teams or tying teams. They came back against Genoa twice. I don't care if Genoa is at the bottom of the table. When you're coming off three days rest, it's not easy. It's not easy for any team. Like I don't care who you're playing, man. Because and then the hardest part is to play to your 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 opponent's level. Playing against Genoa is not easy because you become shit when you play against them. You don't become better. I'm sorry. Like your your mental state is like, oh, we can beat these guys. Oh, they're easy. When you come play Lazio tomorrow, Milan's gonna be like, oh, this is a hard team. We need to be aware. They're gonna come extra motivated. So I just think that until Milan loses, then you can start to believe that. They're gonna lose at this point. I just don't believe it. I, I've always counted them out. I can't. I think I think that both was, sides have a lot more, to prove. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was one of the more convincing sandbag jobs. I thought like he 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 he. Yeah. <laughs> if he I had a blue sincere. hole fat head, I would be holding it up right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the honesty, Alicia. That's all. I I, I like that man. I, I don't care. No, I I appreciate that. Is, what beer is that, anyways? What do you? What's up? Is that a tall boy? Me? Oh, no, I'm drinking coffee. Oh, nice. Coffee out of a... 9 o'clock at night and I'm drinking coffee. So I'm Coffee just... out of a can? I'm fucked. No, it's a travel mug. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, there's a little bit of Bailey's in it, there. It looks like a can because it's like, because he has it where, uh, where like the background behind him is like blurry, but we can see Michael clear. But like, yeah, the, the, the cup was blurry. It looked like a, it looked like a can. A, yeah, a couple more topics. I'll, I'll top the bed, by the way, since we're on predictions. Yeah. If Milan wins tomorrow, I'll actually consider buying an Abate jersey. And, and wearing that for you, Rui. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Lord Abate. Yeah. Lord Abate. So I wanted to wear that. You can wear that when we get pizza and beer, Jerry. So bad. <laughs> I'd actually, if I had to, actually, I would consider buying one of the tracksuits and wearing it with you. Because I think they have one of the nicest tracksuits possible. Those Puma sets are amazing, man. I, I think I think Milan did it right, signing an agreement with Puma. Because Puma makes some of the nicest soccer pair. I don't care what anybody says. And so uh, before uh, before we wrap it up, there's two more topics I wanted to hit on. Um, I wanted to oh, get you to this. this got fucked in the ass. Okay, let's start with that. That wasn't <laughs> where I was going to start, but you know what? Since you brought it up, um, now we're we're taping this on Tuesday. Juventus took two L's today. Okay, first there was the L in court because Napoli actually won the appeal. <laughs> Over the um, the forfeit three nil loss and the point deduction, so Napoli said, and I was surprised that they won that appeal. But Napoli won the appeal, so you know, so so Juventus uh, surrenders the three free points. Now they're going to play this match at a later date, so Juve they're going to have to actually get earn the three points on the pitch, which they didn't have to do. So three points get deducted from Juventus. Napoli gets the point back that was deducted from them as the penalty. So that was the L that Juve took in court. And it was it was hilarious because, um, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, Juventus just lost this appeal. But wait till you see what they're going to do to Fiorentina. They're, they're going to make our days awesome. And then they get shellacked. You know, Quadrado sent off in the first half. And Juve ends up uh, dropping a, a 3-0 game to Fiorentina. Um, and, you know, full, full disclosure, it was it was unfolding while I was at work uh, on the air. I had I had it on in the background. Uh, so I, I'm a little bit uh, oblivious to some of the finer points to how the match actually went. 
But the look on Andrea Pirlo's face, he was like a sad puppy, like on the sideline at the very end of that game. They, they zoom in on Pirlo because the cameramen do a great job. They always try to find the most miserable guy in the stadium and zoom right in on him. And Pirlo looked absolutely miserable. Uh, you know, Jerry, uh, well, what was your take on that today on both L's? Because, um, well, let me speak real quick on the appeal. The reason why I didn't expect Napoli to win the appeal was... Um, I, I, I thought that the governing body would be worried about setting the precedent for, you know, even though I think what happened with Napoli, I thought morally they did the right thing by not traveling and following the local rules. Uh, I, I thought that the concern would be that if they would set the precedent where a team can, you know, forfeit a game and get to make it up, that it's going to happen more often. So I didn't think that I didn't think the Italian government would want to go down that slippery slope, okay, to get more future appeals and more situations like this. So I was surprised that Napoli won the appeal, but I'm glad that they did, honestly, because I don't want to root for a league that penalizes a club for following their regional laws of travel restrictions during a global pandemic, you know, a club that actually in this case acted responsibly by not leaving their region and showing up to that game. I don't like how the rules of a league can openly contradict the laws of a country. I don't think that's right. I think that Serie A needs to understand that there are certain extenuating circumstances. You can't penalize a team for not showing up to a game when their regional government have restrictions that don't allow them to leave their region and travel for that game. So um, I was surprised they won the appeal. I was happy they won the appeal. Jerry, what do you think about all this? So when this happened, I was actually at work, and I was really busy today. And, and when I got home, I saw my phone, and I saw Joe from Napoli, Forza Napoli podcast comment on the whole ADL situation with Napoli and everything. For me... I kind of opened my mouth and I kind of like deleted my tweet on Twitter and I kind of accused Juventus of of just shameless crap. And basically, and I went to Napoli and at the end of the day, I felt that I should have like got my stuff right because there are so many fabricated reports between like Napoli not wanting to go and Juve and their side and, and nothing was really true. And at the end of the day, I think this is the right decision. I don't think teams are going to really care that they won this case because this is a different situation. There hasn't been a club yet that has been denied to travel to another city to play. You know what I mean? Like, no one's been in the situation that Napoli has been in. So when people say, oh, this is a bad look for the league and this is not good and they're going to take advantage... I get it that every team has had players missing from the lineup, but that's not, I don't think that's the case here. I think the case is that why were they not allowed to, to travel? And at that time when it happened, the severity was much bigger and, and everything that's going on and the whole ASL and the whole laws they have and the security laws, I, I don't know the technicality of it, but at the end of the day, they fought for their rights. They did what they had to and they won. Like I, and now the problem is, because it's Juventus and Napoli in the rivalry, now you're going to start to hear, well, Napoli cheated. Oh, Napoli has De Laurentiis paying the, 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 the league, and oh, it's corrupted. But, hey, like Agnelli said, we play by the rules. So, these are the rules. Let's see what he has to say now. Because, uh, or that's something along those lines he said, but 
I don't know, freaking. I, I don't know if had they had they commented on it, Juventus have they have they spoken about the fact that now they have to play Napoli? Like I'm Not really sure. curious to see. I'm curious to know how they feel now that everything has changed. Does their mindset now believe? Oh, we got screwed. This is bullshit because they played that big game of oh whatever happens happens. If it gets reversed, it gets reversed. But I feel like that was a cover up, basically saying that. We're we're gonna win this. We're gonna steal these free three points, and that's it. And now I I'm pretty sure they're probably upset that they have to play. But I think this is the right decision at the end of the day. That that's that's just my opinion. Um, if I have to look at a neutral. What do you think, uh, Rui? Uh, were, were you surprised by the decision, and and do you think it was the right one? Yeah, um, I I was really surprised given exactly what you were saying, Alex. You know, it's uh, if if you overturn the appeal um it's if you turn overturn the decision it's going to give the other teams the opportunity to kind of play the same game or you know take the same route that Napoli did and you know it's I understood why the league did that and held its ground and uh initially I really disagreed with the whole uh point deduction penalty to go along with it because you just like you, we don't really know what's going to happen in the long run throughout this season if we're going to have another lockdown or, or whatever it may be. So I think they were just looking to be safe in the long run to just make sure the season keeps on going and nothing stops. I don't want to have any of these headaches where they have to reschedule games in the long run. But um, from a moral perspective, I think it's like correct what Napoli did cho- chose not to travel, and I'm kind of happy to see that. They are going to replay this match, and and yeah. So I think uh, I, I'm I have mixed feelings of, about it. So uh, I'm I understood where the league was coming from. I understood where Juventus was coming from, their side of the story. But I also understand where Napoli is coming from. But um, I'm I'm going to be looking forward to this game, and I, I think overall I lean more towards to um, to replaying the match than not replaying it. So, um, but as to the Juventus game, oh man, what a disaster! I never seen a team lose six points in one day. I've, I've been hearing, I've been seeing that tweet. I've been seeing that tweet all day on Twitter that they lost six, only team to lose six points in one day, and uh, uh, man, it's just it just got worse and worse. And ironically, they just lost three to nothing. So yeah, they might as well have forfeited. <laughs> and and by the way, to to Jerry's question, while uh, while Jerry and then. Rui started talking. I was just combing through uh, Juventus' Twitter feed for today because if they if they had made a statement on that issue, they would have posted it to their Twitter. They they've not made a statement. There's nothing on their Twitter about that. They were, they were live tweeting their match today, which obviously got sadder and sadder as it went on. And they had a bunch of tweets about how uh, Ronaldo was their November MVP of the month, but nothing about the appeal decision today. Uh, Mr. Lisi, I'll give you the last word on it on on that decision and were you surprised by it? Uh, I was surprised, but I'm glad they're playing the game, mostly because I don't think any fan of any team wants to look at the final table at the end of the year and wonder what if, you know, we had played that 38th game, you know, for both of those teams. Plus two, I thought I'm with Rui. I mean, the punishment. Okay, you gave him a forfeit, but then you you make it a you make it a three nothing forfeit. That's three goals of goal difference because. Not only did Juve lose six points today, they lost six goals of goal, goal difference. Ah, they started point. the day with 27 points, and they were plus 18. They finished wow. the day on 24 points, and they're plus 12. So I'm glad wow. they're playing the game. 
Um, as far as like that game today, my my one criticism of Juve is like, okay, you've got the biggest payroll in the league. You've got probably the most talent in the league. And you've got a coach that puts a different group of guys out there every single game. Like there's zero continuity, especially in the midfield. The midfield, he might as well throw four names in a hat and pick them out every week. It's ridiculous. And one week, you know, one game key is this on the left and then he's around the right. Then same thing with uh, with Bernadeski. He's on the left. He's on the right. Kulusevsky's all over the place. He's got to pick something and go with it, whether it's one lineup that plays in Europe and another lineup, you know, that plays regularly in Syria. I, I don't care what it is. But there, and I'm no fan as far as I'm concerned, he can fuck it up all year long. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> but if I were a Juve fan, I'd be going bonkers watching this guy roll out a different 11 every week. As much as everybody busted on uh, the coach last year, which his name is sorry. not me right now. Sorry. At least he, yeah, sorry. He was smart enough to realize these guys are really good. And if I throw these 11 guys out in the positions they normally play and know how to play together, guess what? I'm going to win the championship. And if I'm Juve's management, I probably thought, well, Pirlo's probably smart enough to do the same thing. Well, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe he's just too much of a, tinker and too much fooling around you know that he's just like i said he, he just won't play the same lineup twice and if i were a juve fan that would be driving me insane right now and they looked a mess today because of that so. yeah yeah w- one final topic i want to close on um you know there, there are going to be a lot of options in january for papu gomez and atalanta where to send papu um so you know it's not even a guarantee he stays in italy but it does sound like he wants to stay in Italy because his family is happy and settled in Bergamo. And being in Bergamo and maybe not even wanting to move houses, uh, that has created a lot of buzz in the Italian media, making it sound like it could be a Milan derby for Papu Gomez between Milan and Inter. Um, again, you know, I, I take every transfer rumor with a grain of salt. Like, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, it's either gonna be Milan or Inter. Like, who, who he's gonna have his options, uh, you know, in in Paris, PSG. He may have other options in Serie A, you know, in other parts of Italy. You know, there was even talk, and it sounds like his agent has put the kibosh on it. But they were even talking to at least one MLS club. But I think he decided he did not want to come to the states. But um, if it if it were to come down to Milan or Inter, um, personally. I think he would be a better fit tactically in Milan. I think a much better tactical fit for Pioli's formation versus Conte's formation. Now, I don't, I don't think it's apples to apples necessarily because Conte did mess around a little bit uh, over the past calendar year with a 3-4-1-2, kind of trying to create a position for Christian Eriksen to have him as a trequartista behind two strikers. And it, it's been a it's been a mess. It's been a mess when Erickson has played in that position. It's been a mess when he's tried to put others like even Barella or sometimes Gagliardini in that position. And the times that Conte has gone back to the three five two, he's tried in true three five two um, tactically, and the balance has always looked much better for Inter. Um, but again, the reason why I don't think it's apples to apples is um, you know just. Christian Eriksen, to me, um, never had really a chance to get accustomed to this league and this style of play, nor do I think he's a great fit for it. 
Obviously, Papu Gomez, we know, knows this league extremely well, and I think he covers a lot more range. So uh, so I think that if Conte really, you know, if he decides, oh, I really want, you know, management to go out and get me Papu Gomez, and I think I have a spot for him, I think it's possible maybe the 3-4-1-2 could work with Papu, even though it didn't work with Erickson. So I'm open to that possibility. But I, I think Milan is a, is a much more natural fit for Gomez. Uh, so if it does come down to one of the Milanese clubs, I think that that, uh, if, if he has any say in the matter, would be better maybe with Milan. But then I would also wonder, guys, with Milan, and Michael, I'll start with you on this. Um, obviously, Papu is a sensational player, and I think most Milanese would, Milanisti would be excited if he would come over. But do, do you think that, that they would really prioritize, especially if there is a transfer fee, if it's not a free transfer and he's an older player, do you think they would prioritize bringing in another player in his 30s? Because Milan have such a young squad. Uh, do you think that bringing in a player of that age, because we know Inter love the old players. I'm not sure about, aside from Ibra, I'm not so sure about Milan. So do you think that's a guy that they would really go after? Um, I think for a six-month rental or you know 18-month, because I mean, Obviously, you're not giving him a five-year deal or anything like that. I think it's I think it's perfectly fine, and I think if there's, you know, be, obviously, you know, not having Ibra and not having a backup number nine, you know, sucks and all. But really, I think the one of the bigger issues we have that folks aren't really talking about is that we don't really have a backup for Chalunolu, as because when you play four-two-three-one, that dude that's in the hole, he's got a lot of responsibility. He's got to move the ball. He's got to do a ton of stuff. And that would be Papu's perfect spot for us. I mean, I know with Atalanta, he generally plays wider on the left, but I think in our formation, that would be uh, that would be the perfect spot for him. Um, as, and so I'm, I'm totally cool with it. As far as you guys, Alex, like if Conte could look me in the eye and say, I will let him go, I will, I'll, I'll play my formation and I'll let him play under Lukaku and I'll leave him the hell alone mm-hmm. and he can just go do his thing. I think he'd be great for you guys because I mean yeah. Lukaku soaks up so much attention, like a giant sponge. Papu could just do whatever the hell he wants, but can Conte really? Conte really let somebody go out there? Clearly not with Erickson. <clears throat> you know he couldn't do that. Um, I, I don't. I just don't think he. He's just so much of a control freak. Yeah, especially him and, since him and Papu, like and, and, and Conte, Conte 2.0 and be a mess. So yeah, no, you're right, and, and also because like because Conte hates giving anybody freedom in a spot like that because yes. it really exposes your three man back line because if you have any any giveaways, the fast break, and and I think that. Uh, the three-man back line has looked better in recent matches, and I just think it's mm-hmm. because you finally had your best three healthy. Because, you know, yeah. we, we all know, obviously, Bastoni, DeVry, and Skriniar are, are the best three center backs you have available. Kolarov is a disgrace, mm-hmm. and uh, and D'Ambrosio is just, you know, he, he's a jack-of-all-trades. He's a good backup player, but he's yeah. not really a permanent solution to back three. So it's been a little bit better, but a big problem we've seen with Conte's formations are when he's tried the 3 4 one two, the, the balance has been so bad, and you've really exposed your center back. So that, that's one of the reasons why it's not looked so good. But what do you think, Rui, on the Papu Gomez issue? Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think it, he's a better fit for Milan. Um, I think he can occupy multiple positions at Milan, whether it's left wing, the 
the number 10 position, the right wing. And, you know, he would give some competition to, obviously, Alexis Salamakas. I think he would definitely start over him. But, um, you know, Alexis Salamakas does provide a different role that Papu Gomez would. So it'd be really interesting how he would um, how he would fit on Milan. But I think he would be the it would be the best uh, place for him because at Inter, you just really don't know. I, I think... Um, he could do well at Inter, but Lautaro Martinez is there, and I don't think it's really, I don't really think it's worth putting Lautaro Martinez. Even though at times this year he's been a little streaky, I don't think it's really worth risking putting him on the bench and then maybe causing some sort of uh, issue or you know some clash between the manager or even just dip Lautaro into a colder streak of form or whatever it is. Um, I, I don't really see Papu Gomez playing anywhere else on Inter because, as you mentioned, that formation with Eriksen playing as a trequartista hasn't really worked. And sure, maybe maybe it would work a little bit better with Papu Gomez, but maybe it's beyond the Eriksen situation. Um, maybe it's just Inter as a whole. The, the Conti-style team is not really built to, for having three really attacking-minded players on the pitch, um, so or at least in the final third. So, um, But I think at Milan, he would be a great acquisition. He would add leadership. He would add experience. He would add quality, most of all, uh, more depth, everything that a championship team needs, everything that a big club needs. You know, if, if Milan want to go far and they actually – are for real to uh, to uh, win the Scudetto or at least finish in top four. They need to load up on on these uh, positions, and I think Papu Gomez would uh, really solidify Milan's chances at uh, top four. And I think they'd be the arguably the heavyweights or the the most favorable team to win the Scudetto if they do land him. Yeah, so I'm sure that uh, that Inter management Beppe Marotta are trying to say, hey, like we don't necessarily need or want this player but we also want to make sure he doesn't go to milan so it's like it's one of those things and like yeah. in, 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 in I like that. yeah exactly no exactly i mean like like the new york yankees always used to do that it's like I, I don't care if we bury this guy on our bench we don't want him going to the red sox we're gonna we're gonna sign whoever we need to keep them off of boston you know because like like for me for for inter in january the number one priority it has to be left wing back you know i know that there's you know, Conte is always looking at his former Chelsea players, either Emerson or Marco Solonzo. He loves, he, I think he'd love to have either of those guys at the club. And and I think that they'd probably fit well with what he's doing. And then, you know, if, if you are able to have the luxury to, to address two positions in January, I'm not sure if they have that luxury to be honest, but if you can, uh, I think the guy that you, you need um, maybe even more so to fit with your formation than Papu Gomez. Uh, I like Rodrigo DePaul from Udinese. That may be more of a realistic target for the summer than for January. But I know, think Alonso, the, I think Marcos Alonso is a, is a real, a real, a realistic option. And I, I think I was he is too. Yeah. I was listening to the game on Monday. I was watching, I was listening to the commentator and he's been phased out since uh, their three, three draw versus West Brom. And uh, he, they were, they were down three nothing at half. He got subbed off and never saw another minute again. And then this is something I didn't know because I haven't been able to watch enough Chelsea this year. Um, but um, in the small sample that I've I've seen, I think a guy like Marcos Alonso would be perfect either for Inter or for Lazio because especially Lazio, I think Lazio more than Inter because we don't know what's going to happen with Senna Lulic. 
and Fares, I didn't know the injury history that guy had. That guy's made a glass, but that's a whole different uh, day or topic we could talk about. But between, uh, well, Inter's got the money to splash, but Lazio doesn't. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know right now. I think I think funds are a little bit tight. Yeah. I think they've got to make sales. I think Lazio's I, got... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think they... I think Inter... Are really going to have to pay attention to their to their financial uh, status for for a while now because they missed out on the potential revenue that they were going to get in the Champions League just by going yeah. into the knockout stages. That's where the the bread and butter is. If you get into the knockout stages, it just keeps accumulate you accumulate so much more revenue and Inter mm-hmm. don't don't have that. So they have to look for the long run, especially if they were going to keep Papu Gomez for like an eighteen month deal or something like that. Uh, it's going to be a little bit tight for them. So. I don't but, see him going to either team, neither Inter or Milan, personally. Why would you want to make your rival much stronger? It doesn't make any sense to me. If the cost for Papu Gomez is, what, $10 million, they said? Or yeah. maybe, I would say it's the starting asking price, because yeah. If, yeah. that's what I'm going to start. That, that, that makes no sense that you're going to sell Papu just for $10 million. I'm pretty sure that someone is going to fork out much more money. This is a team that sold Triori. What's his name? Triori? The, the young kid who's like, oh, I forgot, Amadou or something like that, or whatever the heck his name is, for $32 million. A guy who is 18 years old, never played more than, what, one or two games in City, uh, and came from their Primavera squad and, and went, to the, uh, went to Manchester United. For how much money? And you're gonna sell Papu Gomez for ten to fifteen million? The fuck out of here! Yeah, okay. I I just don't. It's like it's like Lotito selling to Roma. It, it, it would never happen. This deal. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, like, it, well, I mean, he's he he has sold. I mean, not not a player that good, but he has sold players to Milan and Inter before. I mean, I, our, I, our guy Gagliardini, uh, Cassier. Like he he has sold players yeah. from the Inter and Milan before. Oh well, yeah, but they're not the same caliber. True. <laughs> no, I mean they're, they're not. They weren't the like Papu, no question. I I don't know, man. Like with with Papu, I'm just curious to know what he has to say to the media when he's gone, and that really will yeah. define the kind of baggage that you'll be you'll be getting. You know what I mean? Because what he has to say can really reflect and, and really. It can really leave an, like a really bad taste on his new club and, and the perception he may get. Or it may turn out to be good and say, well, you know what, Gasparini is a piece of crap. We should have thought this the whole time, blah, blah, blah. So it can go both ways. It can either go into his favor or it could really burn him. So, I, I like I said, I, I want him to leave so he can finally say what he has to say but uh, he's a, he's I don't a, know that he's going to say anything though I, I don't know that that's he's another thing like this scorched earth behind him part of me thinks that he's just going to slip off to the Middle East he yeah. make like eight million dollars playing for like Al Saad and mm-hmm. he'll just ride off into the sunset and that'll kind of be it I mean he's not like this big bombastic personality that you know yeah, he does some funny tweets here and there. We're dancing around or fooling around or whatever. But he's not one to really like go out and take a shit on anybody or anything like mm-hmm. that. So that's why I, I do kind of wonder if he just doesn't sort of, like I said, go off to the Middle East, make a little money, and sail off into the sunset and and not affect the rest of uh, you know the Serie A season at all. Because we're yeah, on this topic, 
Oh, sorry, hold on, really. I, I before because we're on, I, I want to end this goddamn piece of shit Atalanta because I can't stand <laughs> that team. I'm sorry, I just can't stand them because I hate Gasparini. That's why I, I love the fans, but I just hate Gasparini with a passion. Well, let's end it like this, okay? And you can see what you have to say, but I just hope that Milan has a near healthy team when they play Atalanta. How they play Atalanta yet this season? No, I no, can't yeah. wait. No, I want to see Pioli yeah, it's dance. Like the third game after uh, the break. I want to see Pioli dance. I would pay him to dance and just stick it in his freaking ugly face because Gasparini is the most ignorant piece of shit. The guy gets gloated like he's the, the god on Sunday for having the best half in, in this season. And all of a sudden, I got to hear, oh, they don't need Papu. Oh, all of a sudden, they're the, they're the kings of gods again. Like it's, it's 45 minutes. Illich just came off the bench. Let me know what Atalanta have been doing before that. How much they've been shitting the bed this season. Not the same team like they were last year. I just I just love how people are so like we we'll want to talk about prisoner of the moment. Well, but, oh yeah. Like, I, I was gonna say you want to talk about <laughs> knee-jerk reactions. I mean, think about think about a team like Roma. Like like there there are some games when Roma is playing champagne football and it's like, oh my god, Roma, could they could they be a dark horse scudetto yep. contender? They get completely shellacked by Napoli, completely shellacked by Atalanta in that second half. I mean, even even Juventus, and I understand like Juventus earns a certain amount of equity when you've won nine straight Scudetti, so they, they've earned a benefit of the doubt. So that one I can understand. They look like but, shit this year. Well, yeah, oftentimes they have, and and we're we're taping this on a day when they got blown out three nil by Fiorentina. But so so and and Juve had had a handful of draws up until this point where they played uninspiring. Like they were lucky, I think, to get anything out of their Roma match early in the season. Like they they were lucky to even get a draw there. And but you know, but when Juve actually shows up and does Juventus things, it's like, oh, see this this is the real Juve. Don't worry, they're going to be fine. Uh, and like you know, listen, I. It's always crazy for me following Inter because Inter will have, you know, occasionally a good performance or at least a good half. And then it's like, oh, here, they're Scudetto contenders. Then they'll draw a game and it's like, oh, will they even make Champions League? Like it's it's the knee jerking is just out of control. But we'll, we'll close out the episode on that note. I want to make sure everybody has a chance. If you guys have anything to promote, uh, Rui, let me start with you. Of course, you do excellent work on the Red Card Report podcast. Let the people know where they can find you on Twitter and if you have anything coming out soon. Yeah, uh, so we will be releasing a new episode of the Red Card Report uh, sometime this week. Uh, that'll be episode 85. You guys are already catching up to us, which is insane because yeah. you guys have only been around for like eight or nine months. I think this but, is uh, number eight. This is either number 79 or 80, I think, this one. We should all podcast. That's what we do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ruizinho92, R-U-I-Z-I-N-H-O 92. And you can find the Red Card Report at RCR underscore podcast. And, uh, of course, Michael Lisi does a great job on uh, FossaDeLeone.com. Uh, where can people find everything you do, Twitter and all that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AC Milan Michael. Uh, you'll find, you know, all of my delightful opinions and uh, blog posts and all that good stuff through there. Our blog's been around, I think, since about 2007 or 2008. Oh, wow. I'm the, I'm the second person that's been, like, the main writer of it. But I like to think we're the oldest Milan blog out there. I'm sure there's some... Italian Milan blog that's older than us, but as far as in the States, I'm sure we're at. And uh, I appreciate uh, you guys having me on again. It's always a blast. 
I appreciate you guys. And, and of course, uh, Jerry, Jerry is grinding out content 24 hours a day. And I love how like Jerry will sometimes get like overwhelmed because he's writing for like 20 different websites. And no, not anymore, like, man. Not like, anymore. You say back. that, you say that, but every time you say you all like every month, every yeah. month, tell me I'm cutting down. I'm not going to write as much. And then I log on to Twitter the next day. And you're tweeting out seven stories for like eight yeah. different websites. It's crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. Jer Jerry will. It's crazy hours. <laughs> Jerry will call me and tell me, he's like, yeah, man, I'm going to give up writing. I'm going to take a break. And then like two, like, like an hour later, he like sends me a message. Like, hey man, this is my new article. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's so I'm, accurate. I've actually written more for the Laziali. I've, I've kind of concised my my sources this season. <laughs> I, I've been doing some for Chelsea, the Chelsea Spa. I did Laziali. I've done the World Football Index and get Italian football news. I've done it to four sites compared <laughs> to like 10 last season. I mean, that's four where, sites is a lot, man. Yeah, I, I like to change it up where the sources and the following. So, But, <laughs> but like, I, I, I try to... Where, where, when it comes down to what my major site is, it's probably the Laziale in real football, I would say. More more Laziale lately, because it's what my bread and butter is. So it kind of caters to what I write. But, oh, so keep you, at it, man. Keep at it. I don't know. I, I use Laziale just for my Lazio stuff, but then when I want to like change it up and try to talk about different teams, I, that's when I go to world football and get Italian football news because I don't really provide them Laziale stuff because then I can provide Inter stuff, Milan stuff. I don't really talk a lot about Juventus. I'll be honest here. Um, I've done maybe one or two pieces. I, yeah. I don't, I've written about Dybala, but for the most part, I don't watch enough Juventus because I, I don't mean to be rude, but their games are so boring to just like watch. Wow. I, don't, I just I just think their style of play just puts you to bad man. Like they're just not that exciting brand of football where they get that one game where you're like, wow, they're amazing. And then you're like, okay, these guys just like their one goal lead and they sit back and they just do the low block and they just wait to pounce on your mistake and that's it. Like there's just nothing dynamic about Juventus in my opinion. I know people are not going to like my take, but that's just the way I look at it personally. I don't know. But. Well, I, I get I get a weird uh, dilemma this year with Juventus, and, and this doesn't apply to Jerry, but it, it may apply to, to Michael and Rui. A, a lot of the American soccer fanboys are, you know, so they go so hard on the Weston McKenney praise and, hey, you're not American if you're not supporting Weston McKenney and look what he's doing at Juventus. I, I am American. But I'm also an Interista, and I despise Juve with every fiber, fiber of my being. And so it's like, I, I kind of wish that he could go to another team where I could root for the kid, but I, I just cannot root for him. But, like, every time I'm talking, you know, soccer, as we, we call it in this part of the world, every time I'm talking soccer with somebody, you know, if they're, like, not, like, that big of a soccer fan, they'd be like, oh, you, you watch Italian soccer? Oh, you must love Weston McKenney. He's doing this, that, and the other. And it's like, oh, it it, I, it kills me. It kills me. So that, that, that's the dilemma that I walk around with pretty much every single day. But, you know, you want to make sure you follow Jerry on Twitter at jmancini8, and you can find his work on every Italian football website on Earth. <laughs> but, you know, if you follow his Twitter, you're going to see all the links and all the good stuff that Jerry writes. I love it. Make make sure you follow uh, this show 
at CalchoConPod. CalchoConPod, the Twitter following is always growing. We really appreciate you guys. We really appreciate the support. If you're listening to this audio only, you can watch it on YouTube so you get to see you know, the weird faces that we make and, and the, the backgrounds and the jerseys that we wear and all that good stuff. And if you're watching on YouTube, uh, keep in mind you can get audio-only versions everywhere you download pods because I think that's a good tool because you may not all – if you want to listen in the car, you, you shouldn't be watching us on YouTube to get into a crash. It'll be nasty. <laughs> so if you want to listen in the car, you're going out for a jog, you can listen to us uh, on the podcast. So huge thanks again to Mike, to Rui, to Jerry, of course. I'm Alex. We'll talk to you guys next time on another episode of the Cultural Connection Podcast. Ciao.